Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Obviously we have finals kicking off this week, so I thought I'd just go through uh, all of the bottom eight teams and just talk about each of them, how their season went, a couple of things that I'm excited about heading into next year, a couple of young guns to keep an eye on, their best players from this year, guys that are under pressure moving forward. So we'll dive into the bottom four teams first. We've of course got the Canterbury Bulldogs, North Queensland Cowboys, the Brisbane Broncos and the West Tigers. And look, the number one thing that stands out for me with all these teams out of those four team that conceded the least amount of points was the Broncos at 695 all of the other teams were conceded over 700 points which is just ludicrous to be conceding that many points that is a seriously scary number I mean if you're conceding 700 points they only played 24 games this year. That's almost 30 points a game you're conceding. That's five tries on average. And I mean, there's six really good teams in this competition. And then there's, you know, 10 others that aren't that great. Let's be perfectly honest here. So to concede 30 points a game, that is a serious worry. And two of the teams are well over 700. The Cowboys conceded 748. So... A really good whack over the top of that. Uh, yeah, so scary numbers there. Let's start from the bottom, though. Let's start at the Canterbury Bulldogs. And look, uh, obviously the Wooden Spooners this year, a pretty disappointing season. Uh, they only came home uh, with a grand total of three wins. So very, very disappointing. Three wins, 21 losses. So a real stinger there for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, three wins in a season, always grim. By far and away the lowest, even less than half of the team that came second last, the Cowboys. But we'll get to them in a minute. Now, the Canterbury Bulldogs. Wooden Spooners, new coach, a lot of new guys walking into this system. It was always going to be a tough gig. I thought they'd do better than what they did do. Uh, I potentially walked into the Trent Barrett trap a little bit. I still think they have got improvement in them over the next few years. It's obviously going to be a new look side next year with a heap of new trips arriving there. And they're the things that I'm excited about. So we'll start with the positives of Canterbury. The things that I'm excited about next year is obviously Matty Burton. I think he's going to be massive for them. Very excited to see him line up in this side. I would assume he 
he's going to play 5'8". So hopefully Flano or one of these guys already there can really step up in the 7 jersey. Um, the Avarillo part where he was playing halfback this year, I didn't really get. I don't think Jake is a halfback realistically. I think Barrett needs to get the very best out of Flano moving forward. You've also got Beyond Iodo. We'll talk about him in a minute, but he looks more of a hooker to me, but all the Canterbury fans tell me that he's an out-and-out halfback, so he could be another option to play there. Obviously, whoever you choose out of those guys, though, you're pairing a young guy out with another young guy uh, in Matty Burton. As successful as Burton has been, he is very young. He is very inexperienced. Josh Adokar, massive signing. I absolutely love this one. There's not many wingers that would get me more excited about Canterbury signing him than Josh Adokar. I love what he brings off the field as well. I think he's a real hype sort of guy, and I think that's what Canterbury need as well. Um, Obviously, the on-field is important. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of what happens Monday to Friday plays a role in what happens on Sunday, and I think Josh Adokar will be massive. He comes from a winning culture as well. He's the sort of guy that you can just throw the ball out to his edge with a half opportunity. He can turn it into something. He's the sort of guy that you can kick too early, and he can turn a game on its head very quickly as well. So excited for Josh Adokar to get there defensively. He's fantastic as well. Other guys they've signed, obviously, Tevita Pangai Jr. and Matt Dufty are going to be very interesting to watch. Matt Dufty, he's on a one-year contract, same as Paul Vaughan as well. So I like backs against the wall sort of stuff. If uh, these guys aren't going to perform now, let's be honest here, they're probably going to England. So I like those signings by Canterbury. As much as I haven't been a huge fan of Paul Vaughan and Matt Dufty in the past, they can play football. There's no doubt about that. And with their backs against the wall, pressure on them, they might get the very best out of them at Canterbury. So exciting there. Tavita Pangai Jr., hopefully he's turned a corner. I'm hearing out of the Penrith Panthers that he does seem to be a much more stable character. So fingers crossed uh, that is correct and he can push on at Canterbury next year. Look, for me this year, their best player, I think it was their skipper, Josh Jackson. He was just consistently sensational in a really tough season. You couldn't, I mean, it'd be tough to sort of give it to any of the backs. They only scored 340 points, which is the worst in the NRL by a long stretch. In fact, no one else scored less than 400 points. Uh, They fell 60 points under that. The second worst scoring team was the Brisbane Broncos. They scored 446. So they scored 100 more points than the Canterbury Bulldogs, who were the worst point-scoring side. So a big worry for Trent Barrett there, especially in an era of rugby league where seemingly it is easier to score points than it ever has been. So a big worry there. But I thought Josh Jackson was their best player this year. As far as most improved players go, I think I'd have to give it to Jeremy Marshall King. He's a guy that I always thought was just a meat and potatoes hooker. I didn't really think he'd ever be too much chopped, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I think he really has improved. And they signed Josh Cook earlier today at the Canterbury Bulldogs. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago that he was going there. It has been made official. And um, yeah, one of my mates mentioned me and said, do you think Josh Cook's going to play much footy? And I'm not sure if he will, to be honest with you. I think Jeremy Marshall King is, is improving at an incredible rate. Sione Katoa seems to be popular there for whatever reason, but I think Jeremy Marshall King is the most improved this season. He's been really impressive. Guy to watch moving forward. I think it has to be beyond Iodo. Uh, I really like the look of this kid. He's got some serious X-factor. He looks like a really handy nine to me, but as I said, Bulldogs fans reckon he's, he's an out-and-out halfback. I haven't seen him play much in the seven. What I did, I've got to tell you, I wasn't overly impressed with. I've seen him take a couple of darts out of hooker and he looks really strong there, but he's just got X factor and that's what Canterbury need at the moment. Guys under pressure heading into next year. Three names I've written down here. Trent Barrett is probably one. If they don't do well next season, you'd have to think some questions will be asked there. Uh, Kyle Flanagan, he's probably in the same boat. Unfortunately, I'm hoping Flano turns it around though. And the other guy has to be Adam Elliott. It has been a season from hell for Adam Elliott, and it is no one's fault but his own. So a lot of pressure on him moving forward. I've said a few times, if you would have said to me a year ago, who's going to be the next 
captain of Canterbury. I would have said Adam Elliott. Now he's probably the furthest thing from and a lot of off-field stuff that has caused a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache as well, realistically, in this Canterbury system and in the NRL in general. Um, You've also got a couple of injuries that have impacted him as well. So I do think Adam Elliott, he's under a little bit of trouble. If he's not there round one next year, I've got to tell you, I wouldn't be overly shocked. We are hearing rumors that the Bulldogs are shopping him around. So you could see him move on there. Let's move to the 15th place, North Queensland Cowboys. Denham Kemp at the start of the year described them as the biggest swing team in the competition. And good God, wasn't that spot on? This team can play football, but... They just clock off way too often. They started the season terribly. Considering how they started the season, uh, I mean, they still finished second last, so it didn't really improve out of sight. But they probably did better this year than what the first five games told you that they were going to do. Obviously, Val Holmes, his second year returning from the NFL. Jason Taumalolo, a heap of injuries. Uh, you know, brought in Tom Dearden halfway through. That took a long time to click. So a little bit going against them. First year with a new coach as well. Michael Morgan retired. So it wasn't easy for the North Queensland Cowboys, don't get me wrong, but we got to the end of this season, and for me, Val Holmes was playing out of position, the Hammer was playing out of position, Jason Tamalolo was playing out of position. It's just been a bit of chaos for me, and I think another offseason will be good for Todd Payton. He would have learned a lot of hard lessons this year, and hopefully we can see the Cowboys improve next year. Peter Hicku arrives, Chad Townsend arrives as well. I like the Hicku signing, uh, moves the needle a little bit for me, but I don't think it's a game-changer realistically. Chad, I would have I said was a good signing. I really liked it, but based off the football that we saw him play at the Warriors, I know he's been hampered by an injury, but I am a little bit more nervous about that one uh, now than the day that they signed him realistically. Look, for the Cowboys, I thought their best player this year was probably Reese Robson, their hooker. I've always been a big fan of him. I think he's really come of age this season. I think he's been really strong. It was hard to pick a best player, to be honest with you. I thought Drinky had a good season without being outstanding. Um, it's just hard to play off the back foot so much. So a tough year. I'd probably go Reese Robson. Robson there. Most improved, I wrote down a few names here. Robson, Hammer, Cotter. Hobson I've already spoken about, but the Hammer, he obviously played State of Origin this year, so a good knock for him. Has just got that sort of X factor that is just so hard to handle, but I'm not sure if they've really worked out where his right position is, realistically. Ruben Cotter's another guy that I really like. He came of age this season. If it wasn't for that injury through the middle, I think he would have had a massive season, so... He's a guy that I think should be the starting 13 for the North Queensland Cowboys moving forward. He came back and played his first game in the 13 the other day. They scored 38 points. Uh, they scored 460 for the entire season. So almost you know, almost about 8% of their points they scored was on that day, and I think it had a lot to do with that move. Mitch Dunn is another one that's been really impressive as well for them. Players to watch. Uh, Hylam Lukey, I've spoken about him a little bit. Unfortunately, the last thing we're going to remember for him is the try that Tom Trevojevic scored where Lukey had about 19 attempts to tackle him and missed every single one of them. He is young. He is raw, but you can see the upside in his game, and I'm really excited for this kid. Keep an eye on him over the next few years. I think he's going to be an exceptional talent. He's a really lanky, weird sort of body shape. Very different to anyone else up there at the Cowboys, which I think is a huge plus for him. And I think he's got a bit more X factor from what I've seen in Queensland Cup than what we've seen in first grade so far. He's got a good, sneaky little offload. He can hit a good line as well. So keep an eye on him moving forward. The other guy I've written down there is Reuben Cotter as well. I think he's only going to improve moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Reuben Cotter in a year or two as being one of the real key guys in this Cowboys squad wearing jersey 13. Guys under pressure, there are a few. Rodney Payton, the coach, he obviously has to be right up there. Todd Payton under a bit of pressure moving forward. Tommy Dearden, 
and Chad Townsend, they're going to be two guys under pressure next year. Dearden's already under pressure. I think he's won one game from 10 or so up there. Came in with a lot of hype around him. Left the Brisbane system. They seemingly got better once he left. So Dearden's going to be under a lot of heat next year uh, and during the offseason. So is Chad, who didn't really perform at the Warriors. And they need someone to walk into this system and really bring the best out of Scott Drinkwater. So a lot of pressure on those two. Um, Jason Taumalolo, I'm not sure if the pressure's on him or if it's on... You know, Coach Todd Payton to get the best out of him. Even if he hasn't been utilized in the best way possible, I still don't think we're seeing Jason Tamalolo's best football. I know there was three hand injuries during the season and whatnot, but even when he was on the field, he didn't look like the same guy to me as the guy you were all telling me is the best lock forward in the game over the last few seasons. I think he needs to make a permanent move to the front row next year, play his best footy there, eat up his meters and do his job for this football side. Things I'm excited about with this team. Uh, I guess it is that we're going to have a second year for Todd Payton. I think the offseason will be really good for him. Uh, I also think that hopefully you get an injury-free Jason Taumalolo. They have an off-season to sit back and work out who's going to play what position. They need to work out how they're going to use Val. For him to play wing, centre, fullback in the last 10 weeks just doesn't make sense to me. They need to work out what position Val is going to be. If it's going to be fullback, let him play fullback. If it's going to be centre, let him own centre. He is one of the best wingers our game has seen, in my opinion, though. So something to keep in mind there. Ignore the price tag. Play him in the best position that you possibly can. Potentially linking up with Peter Hiku, I think that'll be a pretty decent combo with those guys. But I think the offseason is the most exciting thing for the Cowboys to just get themselves together and sort out what on earth they're going to do this season. A really good opportunity for Todd Payton to show what he's learnt there. Let's move to 14th place this season, the Brisbane Broncos. And um, finished 14th, but I thought the back end of their season was unreal. And that's what's got me excited. The way that they finished the season this year, they look like a different side. They looked very composed. Um, they looked like they were willing to hang in a contest, which we haven't seen for the Brisbane Broncos for 18 months or so. Uh, the start of the season wasn't overly pretty off the back of their worst season of all time. One of well, one of the all-time worst seasons in general, not just the Brisbane Broncos. That was an absolute shocker last year, considering the talent that they still had in that side. Uh, a few guys have left, including Tavita Pangai Jr. He left mid-season. They showed that they could get by without him. Um, I like the way that the Broncos are shaving up. A couple of big signings coming in, headlined by Adam Reynolds. I think it's a sensational get. Uh, one of the Premier 7s in our game, if not the Premier 7. Very excited to see him walk in. Kirk Cable, I think this is a really underrated signing as well. I think he's underappreciated because he doesn't have that high-end ceiling in attack, but he's consistent as all hell. He comes from a winning system, and he's reliable. He can also cover a few positions. He can jump out in centre or in the back row when you get desperate. So I really like the Kirk Cable signing. Branko Lee arrives there as well, coming off the best season of his career, followed by probably one of, if not the worst season of his career with injuries and everything. I don't think he played a single game of first grade this year after playing Origin last year and winning a premiership. So... Poor old Branko, you think about his last two games of first grade football was an Origin Series win in Game 3 and the Grand Final. I don't think he's played since. He's played a couple of games of Queensland Cup, hasn't gone to plan. He's now out of the bubble for the Melbourne Storm, so a tough gig for him. Arriving in Brisbane, though, it's going to be a test for him to see what position he plays. We're hearing that Katoni Staggs will stay in the uh, right centre spot normally where Branko Lee plays. So a challenge for him, but I'm looking forward to seeing Branko up there. Jordan Piera signed earlier today as well, a kid that I really like. Like, I've always liked Piera. Very excited to see what he can do up there at Brisbane. Uh, look, the best player this year, it has to be Payne Haas. I thought he was unreal. He was sensational. Uh, he is just... 
He's just different, isn't he, Payne Haas? I don't know how else you describe him. He's just a different sort of footballer, different kettle of fish. A couple of times he came up with huge plays on the last in the last few minutes of games where, you know, the game was in the balance. Brisbane, had, sorry, the game wasn't in the balance. The game was already won by Brisbane, and he's just setting the standard there. I think with him, he's one of these guys that you don't overthink. You just put him out there for as long as he feels like he can play and as long as he can contribute, and you just let him go. You don't try and overcoach him. You don't try and overthink the minutes he plays. I think you just let him go out and play. Most improved player, I think it would have to be Tessie New. For a guy... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That uh, wasn't in the team to start the season, came in, got dropped. We didn't see him again for a while. Came back at the back end of the season. I thought at fullback he was very impressive. So Tessie knew would be my most improved. I thought Herbie Farmworth had a great season as well, as did Jordan Ricky in the back end. Sort of lost his way for a little bit during the during the middle of the of the season, but I thought he came back on that right edge, played some really good footy. Guys to watch out in the centre wings are uh, Selwyn Cobbo is a guy that I really like. We've spoken about him a little bit. Got a little bit of Latrell, a little bit of GI about him. He's still very raw. He's very well balanced, which is what I really look for in these young guys. You can see when he gets hit, he bounces off. He bounces off. He recovers himself really quickly, which is a sign of a rugby league player. So really excited about Selwyn Cobbo. The other guy that excites me is Ethan Bullimore. Really good leg speed through the center third. Would like to see him put on a little bit more weight potentially, but you don't want to see him lose that leg speed that I just mentioned. Reminds me a lot of Matty Gillette, and I think he's going to be a Bronco for quite some time, and a pretty successful one, to be honest with you. Guys under pressure, obviously Kevin Walters, you want to improve from 14th. Um, I think all these signings will probably buy him another year, regardless of what happens, and he's Kevin Walters at the Broncos. So probably a guy that is under a little bit of pressure is Jermaine Asako. Uh, a guy that was rumored to be talking to the West Tigers halfway through the season. He was their fullback. He then got dropped. He then came back on the wing and he had, I can't remember who it was against, but it was one of the worst games of football you've ever seen an individual have, unfortunately. He was hooked in that game. Hasn't really been seen since. Played one or two games when Xavier Coates was seemingly in the bad books. Uh, Xavier Coates is leaving at the end of this season, obviously. So there is a spot there for Isako. But with Pierre and Branco arriving, he's going to be tested there again. I think it'd be good for Isako to leave the Brisbane Broncos. I'd rather the same leave than sit in reserve grade all year or come in here and there under pressure. So he's probably one guy for me that is under a little bit of pressure next year. Another one that I didn't mention to watch, I'm really excited for is Tyson Gamble and Albert Kelly. This little... They're both going to be fighting for the sixth jersey next year. It's going to be a fantastic contest. I thought they were both really good this year. But the opportunity to partner a guy like Adam Reynolds in the Brisbane Broncos sixth jersey, made famous by the great Darren Lockyer, the great Wally Lewis, you name it. Um, Yeah, big test for those two. So I'm excited about that. Let's move to 13th place. And we've got the West Tigers. Uh, I tipped them for the wooden spoon this year. They went well above that. But... I mean, if you take out the Canterbury Bulldogs, uh, they're only one win ahead of the North Queensland Cowboys and... Uh, the Bulldogs slapped them in the last week of the season. Obviously had the documentary this year that I know a lot of people have messaged me saying, oh, should have spent more time practicing rugby league and not 
doing documentaries. I get what you're saying, but fuck, stop being so negative. This is we we need clubs to be opening up their doors like this. I mean, uh, I mean, what do, do you think? Because they were doing the documentary, they cut their training time in half this year. I mean, please. Um, oh, I think this is great for rugby league. I commend the West Tigers for doing what they did. It's easy to open your doors when your team's winning. I had a few people say, "I wish the Melbourne Storm would do this." It's like, yeah, no, nah, it'd be good to see the Melbourne Storm do this, but fuck. Jesus, it was interesting to see how the West Tigers go about their business. Personally, I thought it was more interesting because you see these documentaries all the time about successful clubs. I think teams that are struggling, it's great for them to open their doors and see what's going on. There'll be a lot of negative and a lot of haters out there that were waiting for the opportunity to get stuck into the West Tigers, as I'm sure a lot of you guys probably expected me to because you all think I hate them with a passion. But I, I thought it was really good of the West Tigers what they did this year. And look, disappointing. They finished 13th. Dare I say they've overachieved and they finished 13th. They got the very best out of a lot of young guys and still finished in 13th place. So a very disappointing season. Probably the Tigers' best player this year, I think it has to be Adam Dewey. Um, a guy that I sort of bagged at the start of the season. I wasn't sure if he was a 5'8". I think he's shown this year that he definitely can play that role. So exciting times for the Tigers there. We know that in that documentary they spoke about him a lot. They're putting a lot of stocks into that of Adam Dewey moving forward. So hopefully they can hold on to him. I've just... I've seen a lot of guys at the West Tigers are going to build a club around over the last 15 years, and very few of them have stayed at the West Tigers. So testing times there. Um, most improved, I think, from last season, I would say Jacob Little. I thought he was really good this year. And look, I've always liked Little, but injuries have just always held him back. I thought he took his game to a new level this year. Yeah, Jake Simkin come in, who is very highly rated. He did well, but I think that sort of pushed Little to another level. I thought he was very impressive this year, the games he played. But I think as far as improvement over the whole year, it has to be Stefano. He went from a guy to me that looked like he was just the biggest kid in SG Ball and Harold Matz growing up to a guy that came into first grade and really struggled with the, with the physicality and just with the game pace as well. He was really struggling. Um, we heard that he went into origin camp. He spent some time with Big Dale Finucane. Uh, he came out, and I think he's the Tigers' best forward. I know people will say Alex Twole because he's got these incredible stats, but as far as impacting a game, I think Stefano is the West Tigers' best forward. And the West Tigers, when he's on the field, they are a different prospect when he leaves the field. And you can tell how desperate they are to get big Stefano back on the field. He's got that sort of Payne Haas level of ability. Probably not to that extent, but he's right up there with that sort of guy. He's one of the closest things I've seen to Payne Haas since Payne Haas made his debut, realistically. So big Stefano, really exciting. He's one of my guys to watch. Jake Simkin, we mentioned he was really good as well. Dane Laurie, though. Uh, for him to come from the Penrith Panthers, take an opportunity to be the fullback in this team. And this is what I mean when I say I think they've overachieved and finished 13th. If you take Dane Laurie out of this West Tigers side, where are they? Where would they be sitting? It is a scary, scary prospect to think about. I think he played some fantastic footy this year, Dane Laurie, and he's another one for me to watch next year, as he was one to watch this year. Uh, guys that are under pressure... Uh, I think it has to be the coach. Look, we, we said at the start of the season that we wouldn't be shocked if this is his last season. And good God, didn't I have some West Tigers fans message me and bag me? Um, no, Madge is a defensive guru. He'll get the very best out of them. These guys will go to war for Madge. Uh, I just, he's not that guy at the moment. And you know what? I'm going to sit here and bag Madge because 
I'm not sure if the guys that are able to turn this club around are realistically within the realms of possibility for the West Tigers to get. This club really does need a Bellamy, um, a Robinson, a Bennett, one of these guys to walk into this system. And personally, I don't think any of them are stupid enough to take this job. So really tough gig. I feel sorry for Madge. He's going to cop a lot of the criticism, which... I think, you know, I don't think it's his fault, but I don't think they're overly moving in the right direction, to be perfectly honest with you. I know when Tiger Town came out, um, I had a lot of people message me and say, see, Madge isn't the problem. And I'm like, well, I mean, I wouldn't say he's the problem, but he's part of the problem. Don't, just because he yells and screams and he says poetic things that come across well in a movie made by the club. Um, doesn't mean he's not part of the problem. So really interesting to see how that all plays out. I think the players gave up on him at the back end of this season, and I'm not sure if you could really argue with that realistically. Uh, the way that they played the end of this season was incredibly disappointing. Uh, you know, when you look back over the last few weeks, that they still had a chance to play finals footy, and they dished up what they did. I mean, they conceded, you know, 44 points to the Manly Seagulls. They then lost an unlosable game against the New Zealand Warriors. How on earth they lost that, I will never know. Thank God for the West Tigers. Along came the Canterbury Bulldogs and the North Queensland Cowboys, two of the bottom three teams in this competition. They managed to get, um, what, 12 and eight-point victories over those two teams who have gone like an absolute busted. Uh, the Cronulla Sharks arrived to take them on, and this was a huge game for the West Tigers. They had to be up for this one. They conceded 50 points. 50 points against the Cronulla Sharks, which was incredibly disappointing. They played the Penrith Panthers after that. They got dusted in that game. That wasn't any real huge shock there. They probably did well to stay within 14. But then they finished the season with a 38-0 drumming. They all knew their coach was under pressure in that moment, and that's what they produced. I'm I'm not blaming Madge. I think he's part of the problem, but I... I just think the writing's on the wall. A lot of these guys, I don't think they're playing for him personally. How many times did you see in Tiger Town him give a really desperate plea to get the very best out of these guys? And yes, from the outside looking in, it was a good speech. It was good. You can tell me he's not the problem, but if the guys aren't responding to that, he's part of the problem. Yeah, like you can make all the right noise, or you can make seemingly all the right noises, but if they're not getting the response, you're not making the right noises. I'm sorry. Oh, I think it probably is time for the West Tigers to make a move. But are they going to be able to get someone better than Madge? I'm not sure if they are. So if they do keep Madge, I really wouldn't hate it, to be honest with you. Uh, Shane Flanagan's probably the next best guy. Uh, I think Shane Flanagan has the potential to do better than Madge. But if they hired Shane Flanagan and they're 13th next year in the same position, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a really tough job. It's not a massive insult on Michael Maguire because I'm not sure how many coaches could realistically turn this around. But he is the man there at the moment and he has got to wear some blame for the performance of this team. Luke Brooks is the other one. Now we said at the start of the year that we thought this would be Madge and Brooks's last season at the West Tigers and look I've said a few times I think Luke Brooks and the West Tigers should be the perfect divorce. It's not working. There's a couple of guys coming to this club which we'll talk about in a moment that are exciting. Let Brooksy go. There's plenty of teams out there that need a halfback. The Cronulla Sharks need a halfback. The Canberra Raiders need a halfback. There's a few teams out there that would be desperate to get a Luke Brooks on their books, and I think it would be sensational to see him start somewhere else. They're my two guys under pressure, Michael Maguire, Luke Brooks. If we get to round one next year and neither is in this system, 
I won't be surprised in the slightest, and neither should you. We told you at the start of the season. Let's have a look at the exciting things about the West Tigers. Obviously, they're two signings from England. You've got Jackson Hastings. I'm really psyched to see Jacko return. I think he's going to do well. I think he will be the scapegoat that the media will blame for everything and anything they possibly can. That's just the reality of Jackson Hastings. But I challenge you as West Tigers fans and NRL fans, actually judge Jackson Hastings on his performances don't judge him on what the media tells you or the picture that the media paints of Jackson Hastings. Use your own eyes, please. Don't just jump on this stupid bandwagon. Twitter will be going berserk for Jackson Hastings. That's what Twitter does best. Just use your own eyes next year because he can play and he has got a lot of ability. Oliver Gildart, I haven't seen a heap of him. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But from what I've heard, he's a pretty talented guy. So to see those two guys come from England, we've seen it be really successful over at the Canberra Raiders. So hopefully the West Tigers can do something similar with these guys guys. But the number one thing I probably am excited about is Big Stefano. I love the way that he goes about his footy. I think he's a sensational player and he's the guy that probably excites me the most. Stay tuned guys. Tomorrow we will be diving into the next four teams on the ladder. So of course, ninth through to 12th. So those teams are from 12th, the New Zealand Warriors, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, the Canberra Raiders and the Cronulla Sharks. Stay tuned for that podcast coming tomorrow. We've also got a special on the South Sydney Rabbitohs coming tonight. So stay tuned for that one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.